2: Did you know that driving under the influence of marijuana is illegal? Driving high will get you a DUI. And if you're wondering if law enforcement can tell you're driving high, well, everyone else can. Friends?
1: I can tell you drove high. Parents? I can
2: tell when you drive high.
1: Relatives? I can tell. You drove here high, didn't you? So what makes you think law enforcement can't? I can tell. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA.
2: I have an announcement to make. There's a new way to play fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan.
1: This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard, Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy.
2: Hey yo, welcome in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. So you can catch when we have new content available to you. We're also live on bellyup.tv. If you missed an episode, that's okay. Download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices. Look for our show under the Belly Up Sports TV category. Or you can just stay up to date with the show on the go. And download us on your favorite podcast app you give us a five-star review. It really, really helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater excited to get back at it here tonight on a Tuesday night, which means it is a prime time recap of Heroes and Zeros. And of course, the waiver saviors heading into week nine. We're almost the double digits, and we're getting better all the time. Guys, there's a lot to talk about. We finally had a big fantasy football week and week eight where there's points actually scored an abundance amount it wasn't just defensive matchups where if you have two or three guys who actually score a touchdown that's all you need to win no 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 it was hat trick city coming out of week eight and it was a lot of fun to watch and i hope we have more games more weeks like that but our first two games of course we got the primetime matchups we got the Green Bay Packers against the Buffalo Bills. And then the Monday night matchup, which was very one-sided between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. So why don't we go ahead and jump into our thumpers and bummers of primetime. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! Who'd have thunk I'd have Jacoby Brissett in four teams, two games, primetime matchups, That included Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow. The only guy who makes my thumper list is Jacoby Brissett. 278 yards, a passing touchdown, and of course, a rushing touchdown to boot. He took shots down the field. We'll get into that in just a second as far as who benefited from those shots. While he probably didn't really help anybody out unless you're in a super flex league, man, oh man, Jacoby Brissett was... Really, really, really good running back thumpers. This is Sparta. (laughs) Well, the other quarterbacks weren't as good as percent, none of them were bummers. So, we move on to the running back thumpers, and we had two guys who brought the thump in the thumper. We got Nick Chubb tacking on 100 yards and two touchdowns. It would have been a pretty tough match for running backs heading into the week, but he can't be stopped no matter what in Cleveland. If they showed you anything on Monday night, is that they're willing to just double down. They were utilizing like seven offensive linemen for some plays at one point. Not to mention, he actually tacked on a two-point conversion, too. Nick Chubb continues to be dominant. The other running back, though, who brought it was Aaron Jones. And that's saying a lot, because guess what? Buffalo Bills, you want to talk about tough defenses, especially against the run Aaron Jones carves him up for 143 yards, tacked on five targets, four receptions, just 14 yards of the air, but gets a couple of points there with the receptions in the half point and full point PPR leagues. look like he's just far superior the better back against AJ Dillon. and we'll get into some of the notes of the game, but things to look up for when it comes to Aaron Jones in this Green Bay backfield moving forward. Ooh, but we do have a running back bummer. running back bummers. Joe Mixon, who's been a top five guy most weeks, did not have it today. Now, maybe the seven receptions, if you're in full point and half point PPR leagues, gave you enough to keep him from completely dudding out on you. But 27 yards on the ground, 32 yards to the air, not the type of day you're looking for, especially going up against Cleveland, who had been struggling against running backs as of late. And yet for this game, nope. That offensive line of Cincinnati Bengals got dominated in more ways than one, and that led to Joe Mixon having one of his worst games of the season. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Stephon Diggs cannot be stopped. Eight targets, six receptions, 108 yards, and a touchdown. And did it not just feel like a ho-hum type of day for Stephon Diggs. Like, Of course, you expect at least 100 yards and a touchdown in any given game. Doesn't matter what they do. This passing attack was not even at its best against Green Bay, and Stephon Diggs still has a great fantasy showing, but not to be outdone by Amari Cooper. Who had seven targets, five receptions, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Getting deep. Amari Cooper looks like he's really found himself a home here in Cleveland, and what could happen when Deshaun Watson is back taking over and when he's firing on all cylinders? Oh, man, oh, man. Sky's the limit for Amari Cooper looking great in his new uniform. Wide receiver bummers. This is depressing, but at the same time, it's part of the gig. Gabriel Davis only getting two catches and 35 yards. Yes, it's not what you want out of the guy, but this is kind of what you signed up for. He is a wide receiver, too, who's a bit boom or bust, and when he booms, he can single-handedly win you a week. We know this, but we also know that because he does not demand a high target share within this offense, he can also have games like this. He was targeted in the end zone, even caught the ball, but was knocked out of bounds before you get two feet down, so there was opportunities for him to be able to score Games like this are gonna happen. Better weeks are ahead, but for this week on Sunday Night Football, if you're hoping for a comeback or to maintain your lead, and it didn't really happen here with Gabriel Davis. I did oh, I did actually have one tight end to talk about. Tight end bummers. Yeah, there wasn't any thumpers, but we did have one bummer. Harrison Bryant doesn't even make the box score. Now you could chalk this up to being so dominant on the run and Amari Cooper and Don people Jones jr. Having good games. And that is part of it. But when you have David Joku getting the targets he had been getting leading up to this game and Harrison Bryant, who we all know is a very good athletic pass catching tight end figure to slip in there as a starting tight end and fill that role, a role that had been heavily favored by Jacoby Brissett. Oh, winds up not even getting on the box score. It's a bad, bad, bad day for Harrison Bryant, who is a very popular streamer heading into this week. So unfortunately, he was probably the worst of all the bummers, not just today, but during the Sunday recap as well. That does it for our primetime thumpers and bummers. Why don't we hit the notes of the game? I know, I know, I know. What do we know? What do we know coming out of the Sunday night and Monday night matchups? Let's go to Sunday night first. Green Bay Packers against the Buffalo Bills, starting off on the Packers' side of the ball. Look, the Packers surrendered to the run. And this is where the good news for Aaron Jones and potentially at some point this season, the good news for A.J. Dillon comes in. What have I been complaining about over the past couple of weeks with the Packers? Their offense has been terrible, but it's been more than just their offense not playing well. They look like they cannot decide on what their identity should be, even though it should be so obvious what their identity needs to be. Well, while they lost this game, and they only put up 17 points against the Buffalo Bills. What they did show you is that They know what their identity has to be moving forward. It's the only effective way their offense can move the ball. They simply just don't have the weapons for Aaron Rodgers to light things up anymore. And they got behind Aaron Jones, who had 20 carries, and A.J. Dillon, who had 10 carries, which is more than he's had over the past few weeks, 30 carries between the two. That is more what I expect to see moving forward. And how do I know? Well, guess what? majority of this game was a negative game script. The Packers were having to come back from behind in the second half, And instead of turning Aaron Rodgers to try to light it up through the passing game, they decided, no, no, no. Our best chance to move the ball is still on the ground. So even a negative game script, they were still run heavy. This is what I expect to see out of the Packers offense moving forward. Because we all know Green Bay is not going to go get a wide receiver during the trade deadline. It's just not going to happen. It's not what they do. I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers. They definitely should do it. It's not going to happen, though. So that means they're going to have to lean on the running game. And I think this game... The only thing, the only silver lining you take out of this game is that they figured out what their offense has to be no matter what is going on. And that's the good news for Aaron Jones moving forward. On Romeo Dobbs' side, yeah, he showed some signs of life. It was a beautiful touchdown catch that he had. Good for him. And if you had to play him, I had him ranked as a wide receiver three. I had him as a flex guy. I'm like, look, no one's left. Sammy Watkins is toast, and he proved that in this game. There's no Randall Cobb, no Alan Zard heading into this matchup, and Christian Watson picked up yet another injury during the game. Romeo is the only guy out there. I figured he had to play him for that reason. He does get the score, so he was fantasy relevant. But now I don't have a lot of hope for him moving forward. Does that touchdown catch? Does that maybe give Aaron Rodgers some confidence back into the rookie? Maybe puts him back somewhat in his good graces? It could because he was on his way to being completely relegated out by Aaron Rodgers' you know, eyes and rotation who he decides to throw the ball to. But the fact is this. There's only one receiver that you're going to be able to trust in this Packer offense at a time. And when Alan Lazard is the healthy guy, he's the only receiver I'm going to trust in my fantasy football lineups. And that's where I'm at with the Green Bay Packers. So my advice would be sell high on Romeo Dobbs if you can get someone to bite on the idea that he worked himself back into the good graces of Aaron Rodgers. And and he's back to where he was a couple of weeks ago. That's the only way. Otherwise, I am not counting on Romeo Dobbs turning the corner when Alan Lazard is back in town for a team that I think will truly be run heavy The rest of the way. Oh, yeah. The Buffalo Bills. They got held in check. They got held in check offensively and yet still put up 27 points. That's what this offense getting held in check looks like. That's why it's better days ahead for Gabriel Davis. Even better days ahead for Josh Allen, who wasn't his dominant self in this game, although he was still fine. Even better days for Stephon Diggs. Again, like I said, it felt like a ho-hum day when he got 108 yards and a touchdown in this matchup you're not worried about anything with Gabe Davis. He is a wide receiver too, because here's the thing. While most guys that are boomer bust the way that he is, and normally speaking, I would have those type of guys ranked as wide receiver threes, because there are so Jekyll and Hyde, the bust games, they don't offer you much of a floor, and you know it's probably going to be one or the other, most likely. You're either going to get a bust game, or you're going to get a great game. Very few times, you're going to get the, you know, in-between. But when it comes to a guy like Gabriel Davis with this offense, because those boom games are more consistent than normal boomer bust wide receiver three players, he remains a wide receiver two. He's he's going to be a guy who probably remains in my top 20 most weeks as a result to that. Again, this is something you just sign up for, but ultimately not worried about Gabe Davis either. And then James Cook, I do want to put him in a little side note here. Looking more and more like he's the number two running back. Zach Moss isn't even in the rotation anymore. He's not a thought. Now, I do wonder if Devin Singletary were to get injured, I think James Cook and Zach Moss ultimately would still split the work. Because when it comes down to it, unfortunately, James Cook's still just not there with the pass protection. You can tell they don't really trust him in those scenarios. So because of that, I think Zach Moss would make a reappearance in a significant way. In that backfield, but James Cook is getting more playing time and maybe he can get that trust with the coaching staff while he gets these opportunities backing up Devin Singletary in games while Singletary is, in fact, healthy. So kind of something to keep your eye on there as if they get to trust James Cook and fall in love with what he can do. Maybe he becomes a high-end handcuff at some point this season, but for right now, it's Devin Singletary's backfield and nobody else's, and he's not going to relinquish it. I don't think James Cook overtakes Singletary at any point this season. But let's move into the Monday night game. So what do I have for that Monday night matchup? Well, we'll start off with the Cincinnati Bengals side of the ball, and it was bad, bad, very, very bad, 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 bad. Just look completely out of sync. The offensive line reverted back to what it was the first couple of weeks of the season when they were just laying up sacks left and right, and they had been getting better. And they're going against Cleveland Browns defense that had not been all world over the past couple of weeks. I will throw out there, this is probably the healthiest the Browns defense has been all season long. They actually had both Garrett and Jadavion Clowney out there. They actually had Denzel Ward out there. They had Greedy Williams out there. They hadn't had all these guys together in a very, very long time. So there is something to be said there, or maybe we got to see a taste of what the Cleveland Browns defense should have been so far this season and might be the rest of the way. So keep that in mind. When we have the Cleveland Browns, and on paper, it's looking like a great matchup, we might have to second-guess that if all these guys continue to be Healthy, So something to keep in mind there. But because the offensive line reverted back to what we saw the past couple of weeks, well, we saw some things flare up that we had problems with with the Cincinnati offense the first couple of weeks too. As, as a result, Joe Burrow wasn't very good because he's getting hit all the time. He was sacked five times in his game. The running game, very inefficient. Joe Mixon, only 3.4 yards a carry. That obviously affects the wide receivers If Joe Burrow, cannot be at his top-notch game. And of course Jamar Chase, yes. He he was not in this game and that certainly affects the offense because that takes out a big a big chunk of it. It takes out basically a third of the Bengals offense really when you think about it because he's the reason why they're able to get so vertical. This offense has become predicated on just hitting home runs. After home run after home run, a lot of that stems from either Jamar Chase himself making those plays or opening up the opportunities for others to be able to make those plays too. Having said that, you still have T. Higgins, you still have Tyler Boyd, you still have Joe Mixon, and Hayden Hurst is no slouch. You still have offensive weapons. So that's why when it comes to Joe Burrow going into this game, I still had him ranked in my top six. And you know what? I probably still will have him around that range anyway, because he will look to make the big play. He's still a very good quarterback. The key thing for him is that offensive line just has to play better. If they play well, the rest will take care of itself, either with or without Jamar Chase. I'm not worried about it from that standpoint. The only silver line I could offer you guys is that the last two drives the Cincinnati Bengals had, Joe Burrow was able to pick up a couple touchdowns. They got a big touchdown to T. Higgins. Boyd picked up a touchdown. And 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 Joe Mixon got the seven receptions. So if you're in full point PPR leagues, they managed to not completely screw you. Maybe it wasn't enough for a Monday night miracle, depending upon what situation you're in. I don't know. But you can't look back at the week and say, well, that's the reason I lost in most cases either. Maybe the Joe Mixon case you can, because you're expecting a lot more production out of a guy who's been an RB5 or more. But this is one of those games where, like, okay, it was a bad game. Your offensive line looked like it did the first couple of weeks. That's not how they've been playing over the past month. I think it's more likely than not they're able to right that ship. Miles Garrett played really, really well. Again, the Cleveland Browns healthier than they had been on defense this entire season. All that comes into factor. Basically, what I'm saying is a long way of saying Jamar Chase is out, but this is not... What we have to expect the Bengals offense to now become with Jamar Chase out. I am not concerned from that standpoint of it. There's a lot of other circumstances and variables that went into this performance on Monday night. On the flip side of that, we go to Cleveland. And we talked about, you know, we Nick Chubb, Thumper. Amari Cooper, Thumper. Even Jacoby Brissett Thumper. They just looked very good. And they doubled down. I know there's been a lot of rumors about Kareem Hunt possibly getting traded, but... I don't, I, don't know so much now because they gave him eleven carries and he had four receptions. Like this, the fifteen touches it looks closer to what he had towards the beginning of the season when he was still being utilized. And is that like they utilized him enough to showcase him? But you certainly didn't make sure he didn't get injured so you could trade him. So I don't know if that happens. And and again, we'll know all of this by the time you guys are watching this show. I record these shows. Uh, late Monday nights after the Monday night game are over and have them play at 10 p.m. Eastern like every show is at Monday through Friday. So by the time you're watching this show, we may have already have some of that news. And make sure you're following us on social media at Show because we'll keep you up to date on that news and the player fantasy outlooks, quick takes I have for it to kind of help you guys out along the way too. But man, oh man, the Cleveland Browns, they just they doubled down on the running game. They played all of their offensive linemen. Nick Chubb is just always going to be the guy. He's always going to be terrific. And Amari Cooper is a must-start at the wide receiver position, no doubt about. The Harrison Bryant thing, I still believe in his talent. And unless David Djoku's out, I still believe in Jacoby Percet targeting the tight ends. I'm not going to read too much into it in this standpoint. I still think the talent, the opportunity is there. But maybe instead of him being a guy that we're aggressively going after in the top 12, we just have to look at him as another one of many streaming options that dictate based on matchup. But I don't think he's a guy that's consistently going to be off the box score. So i like, oh, he can't be utilized either. I think he will be in the streaming conversation Moving forward. But that's going to do it for the notes of the game for the primetime matchups. So what I want to do right now, we'll take a quick break. We come back on the other side. I got my heroes and zeros, or better known as my right and wrong calls. And, of course, we still have the waiver saviors to do at the end of the show. So nobody go anywhere. Stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this football is back baby and our new sponsor true classic wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft it's football season but it's also butt the couch season luckily true classic has the absolute best fitting clothing a man can buy snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to so if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day at least you can look good doing it True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at TrueClassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes true classic tees taper off towards the bottom but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders it's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on it's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at TrueClassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY, free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at TrueClassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good.
1: This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader, giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy.
2: Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to catch all of our content when it becomes newly available to you. And then you can find us. On your favorite podcast app, stay up to date with the show on the go. Give us a five star review, it really helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and it's Tuesday night. So that means we got the primetime recap, the thumpers and bummers, the notes of the games. We just did all that in the first half of the show. Now it's time for one of the fan favorites where I hold myself accountable and I talk about my heroes and zeros or better known as my right and wrong calls of the week Dan's
1: heroes and zeros
2: all right let's kick it off with our quarterback heroes quarterback heroes Jimmy G once again coming through I keep ranking him as a streamable top end quarterback top streaming quarterback I should say not a top elite quarterback don't get me twisted and once again, finds a way to be a QB-12. I told you guys this. I was like, look, with Chris McCaffrey back there, this is not going to be the same San Francisco offense that doesn't throw the ball to the running back. That's what everybody kept saying. Everybody was like, no, they don't throw the ball to the running back. That's not what they do. Christian McCaffrey can't possibly have the same kind of target share that he had with the Carolina Panthers when the 49ers don't throw the ball to the running back. Hmm, is it that or is it that the 49ers have never had a running back like Christian McCaffrey who catches the ball the way that he does and therefore put more of an emphasis on, to be able to go to that as an option. There was several times actually during that game where I saw Jimmy G look down the field and you could see was making the conscious effort being like, hey, guess what? I can just dump it down now. The Christian McCaffrey in this situation. Here you go, buddy. And that's why McCaffrey was so dominant and will be so dominant. I think that safety blanket that genuine check down safety blanket for Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make him a really good fantasy quarterback and a guy who's consistently inside that top 12. And I probably will continue to rank him right at that top end range. And he's have been looking for a guy who could be a top 12 quarterback coming off the bye, once he's done the bye in week 9, He could potentially be that guy. It's never going to be really that flashy, but you're going to have a safe core floor. And right now, unless this week was a sign of new things to come, and uh, believe me, I hope it is. But to this point, quarterbacks of getting 16, 17 points, you want those guys. You need those guys because those guys have been hard to find all of a sudden this season, thus far, at this point. So, Jimmy Garoppolo, QB12, with all the safety blankets in the world now, where He can just check it down. He can play game manager and get all these runs after the catches that knock up his fantasy points all the way too. So Jimmy Garoppolo, one of my big right calls of the week. Quarterback zeros. I tried to give him one more week. I tried. I thought to myself, you know, the volume's still been there. The matchup on paper is there. Maybe, oh, maybe they'll get it started. And at first, it looked like it was going to be pretty promising. But then Tom Brady did what he'd been doing all season long, and that was disappoint the rest of the way. First quarter, 7 of 10, had a touchdown already. Looking good. And it all went downhill after that from there. It just never got back on track. The volume was still there. But I had him ranked at QB9. had him inside my top 10. Still holding strong, and yet he finishes as QB 15. Look, the simple truth of it is this. You may be frustrated by Brady, but he still didn't have a terrible game to most quarterback standards so far this season. And he keeps throwing the ball plus 40 times. And when you're going to keep throwing the ball plus 40 times with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and guys like Leonard Fournette coming out of the backfield to check the ball down to, I'm still going to be ranking Brady around that low-end QB1 range where you might have to think about playing him. I don't know if he gets course-corrected. I don't know if this thing gets better. I don't know if finalizing divorce helps Tom Brady refocus himself because there's only one thing to think about now, just to kind of push everything else out of your mind, if nothing else. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. All I can say is that the volume and the talent are both there and the offensive line does have the opportunity to get better because their interior offensive line should be getting healthier over the next couple of weeks. That could make all the difference in the world. They get their center back and the interior shores up. That's the biggest thing Tom Brady needs. That could be the key to turn this whole thing around. It would not surprise me. But the talent and volume are there. And in fantasy football, when the talent and volume are there, I will continue to bet on that talent and volume. So I was wrong this week, but I don't think I'll be wrong for the remainder of the season, or for the entire season, I should say. That
1: quarterback week. heroes.
2: I had to attack Laveau ranked as my top six quarterback. I had him as an elite must-play against the Detroit Lions because the matchup's there. And his wide receivers are just the best tandem in the game right now. And Mike McDaniel is doing a great job calling plays. He's just like, look, I know how to get these two in space. I know how to get them the ball. and I know how to make the reads very, 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 very easy for Tua all throughout the week. They even had to come back from behind in this game because Detroit jumped out to a big early lead. And that's why Miami had to come back from behind. And that's what led to the extra volume for Tua in a plus matchup too. And he lit it up and finishes as the QB one of the week with that performance that I had him ranked at QB six. So bullish onto it in that matchup. And it paid off in a big, big way. Quarterback
1: zeros.
2: So I was wrong, but part of me was a little happy to be wrong about this one. So I ranked Justin Fields my QB 22. Can I carry those for you? Thanks. Hey, I saw you help the guy in the wheelchair with his groceries. Another way to show him your good side? Donate at Griffles Plasma, because he also relies on plasma-based medicine. Thanks again. Find a center at GrifflesPlasma.com. You can receive up to $800 this month. I wasn't ready to fully buy into the fact that this offense suddenly got that much better and feels got that much better in a week. Coming off of a big win against the New England Patriots, which no doubt about it, you're in Foxborough as a defense that had been playing really well up to that point. I was taking nothing away from what the Bears offense was able to do against the Patriots on Monday Night Football from last week. But I wasn't ready to anoint them as like, oh, you're definitely improving because this is the first sign we had seen all year that made it look like they were improving. Dallas Cowboy defense, in my estimation, is a hell of a lot better than that New England defense, too, and a lot more dangerous, especially for quarterbacks like Justin Fields that are prone to make a lot of mental mistakes. So I wasn't there, but then Justin Fields finishes as a top five quarterback this week because he continues to run and get rushing touchdowns, and for the second week in a row was competent as a passer, not prolific, just competent. Competent in the sense of he was able to get off of his first read and get to his second read sometimes. And what did I talk about last week? I said, look, if Fields can show me against Dallas, that he can get off of his first read and at least get down to his second read a decent amount enough to make him at least a competent passer to go along with the fact that he's running all over the place now. He's going to start to turn into a real fantasy asset. Well, that's what we have in our hands now. Justin Fields is going to be creeping up 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 my rankings in our weekly in our weekly stats coming out all usually on Wednesdays and Thursdays on com. check it out cuz fields is going to be up in that streaming quarterback range and if he continues to play well could crawl his way up and decide that top 12 we've been looking for guys who have upside at the position he's one of those guys if he can continue to do what he's doing in the passing game Right now. So that's the good news on Justin Fields. Although for me, it was a bad call to have him ranked at QB 22. I was not ready to believe in him just yet. Running back heroes Khalil Herbert. I had him ranked at RB 31. I was three spots higher than the ECR because I believed you could play Herbert as a flex play. The time had finally come where we know that when he gets the ball, he's explosive. And he's getting the ball more and more and more. It's not just David Montgomery dominating the touches anymore. I will say this, and I want to point this out, though. Montgomery played a hell of a lot more. He actually more than doubled the snaps of Khalil Herbert because it was a negative game script. And David Montgomery is still the guy who's going to do all the receiving work and get at least 50% of the carry load. So he's still the guy you want to play. He's still the guy you want to own. He's still the guy you want to have in your lineups. But what's become clear is that when Herbert does come into the game, Chicago wants him to get the ball. They want him to get his crack. And game again, which that was negative game script, they still made sure that Herbert got 16 carries. So not only was he a viable flex play this past week and having a nice game, but I think he will be a viable flex play moving forward. And now, you know, it doesn't really matter the game script because when he is out there, they will try to get him the ball. So it felt really good about my Khalil Herbert call from last week raking him as a top 36 running back. Running back
1: zeros.
2: I was too low on Travis Etienne. Look, Obviously, the usage had been there. But I questioned the offensive line, and I questioned the fact they're playing a Denver Bronco defense that had been stifling for, oh, so many fantasy football players leading up to that point. Jacksonville decided to hell with this. The hell with Trevor Lawrence. The hell with our passing game. Their game plan was to come out and run it right at and down the throats of the Denver Broncos. And you know what? It almost worked. It almost worked. And Travis Etienne looks like right now he has emerged the way Ken Walker emerged, where these guys are just RB1s. Now, I still question whether or not Etienne has the build to be able to hold up all season long if he's going to get this kind of volume. But I have no question as far as, is he an RB1? The answer to that is yes. When you're a running back getting this kind of volume, especially in today's day and age, you are an RB1. And that's what Travis Etienne is, as long as he's out there and healthy. And I had him down at RB19 this past week. That was too low by me running back heroes i love dalvin cook do you know that most people the ecr had dalvin cook ranked outside their top 12 and definitely outside their top 10 this past week he was inside mine look i know dalvin cook has not lit up the, the the box score the way that we all hoped especially when it comes to the receiving game He's looked a lot more like what we've seen over the past few years where he's very good on the ground. It doesn't really get those extra catches you are hoping for. It doesn't change the fact that he's still an RB10, even with the production he gives you on the ground, because he's that good. I still don't think we've seen the best of the Minnesota Viking offense. And yet, Dalvin Cook's been back to be an RB1. Justin Jefferson's a top three, maybe with some injuries now, even a top two wide receiver in, t- in total. And Kirk Cousins is a streamable option. So we'll have to see. But Dalvin Cook, man, the confidence wavered on him. Mine did not. Running back zeros. I was too bullish on Raheem Mostert. Look, I was well ahead of the ECR. I had him as a top 10 running back against Detroit. Part of me wants to be like, could you blame me? It is a Detroit Lions? one of the best, juiciest matchups you could have, and I did not expect Detroit to jump out to a two-touchdown lead, which is what led to the Dolphins kind of abandoning the run game at one point. Mostert still got his normal workload as far as how he dominated the backfield, Chase Evans just being the backup guy. Still really haven't seen him bust one, though, and part of that is because that offensive line is just, well, they're just really not that good, but Raheem Moster, I thought I had him pegged as a top ten player that day. Did not wind up happening. I was a little bit too aggressive on him. Better days will come, but for this week, it was not a good call by me. Wide
1: receiver heroes.
2: I was surprised. I have been the guy who's like been hesitant on Waddle heading into the season, even at times during the season. Because when you have a guy like Tyree Kill who's dominating the volume the way that he is. Well, it's kind of hard to see that Waddle can be this consistent being second fiddle, but he is, because everything's so consolidated around those two in the offense in general, it just is. And he's just a special player with the ball in his hands. But yet I was curious to find myself with Jalen Waddle not in a lot of people's top tens heading into this week. Well, he was in mine. So I felt pretty good this time being on his side and seeing the benefits of it for once this season.
1: Wide receiver zeros.
2: Okay, bad call by me. I had a lot of people ask me about Wandale Robinson. I had him ranked as a wide receiver 33. I thought for sure, again, his playing time would continue to increase as now he's been in uniform practicing fully healthy for the last three weeks and that that would just continue to tick up. And he has the Seattle Seahawks. The slot receiver is really the guy who gets to dominate most of the time. But that didn't wind up happening. It was Darius Slayton. They didn't get Wando Robinson as involved. And I gave some people some advice that would have led them probably to playing Wando Robinson over some others who did a lot better. So I apologize for that. I apologize for being a little bit too aggressive, perhaps, on a Wando Robinson. Maybe a little too aggressive in general. This Giants passing attack could be consistently counted on to be competent. Yes, Daniel Jones is not The answer, shocker, I am not. But hey, you know what? Maybe even I gave them a little bit too much credit. So Wandale was a bad call for me.
1: Wide receiver heroes.
2: AJ Brown is my wide receiver six coming into the week. That was three spots higher than the ECR. He is an elite receiver. And we finally got that signature huge AJ Brown game. He's just a beast who can't be covered. Plain and simple. He is in a wide receiver one. And you got to love AJ Brown right now. Great call.
1: Wide receiver zeros.
2: I'm not going to take too much blame on this one because I wasn't the only one who was wrong. But I did have Devontae Adams a little bit higher than the other ECR. And I had him as my number two receiver overall. So I feel like I had to make sure that I put this down as a zero call because he completely bottomed out. I mean, damn near put up a goose egg and might as well have been. He practiced on Friday. It was an illness. We've seen players come back from an illness earlier in the week. and be completely fine on Sunday and look like the normal selves that did not happen. In this case, he was third in the team and snaps for the wide receiver position. He clearly just was not a hundred percent himself. And I should have, probably factored that in a little bit more than what I did. Not that you would have not started Devontae Adams. Not that he would have not still been in my top 10. But to have him number two and only get one catch for three yards? Yeah. Gotta hold myself accountable for that one. Tight
1: end (laughs) heroes.
2: Really only had one tight end here. It was kind of a brutal week for tight ends, but that was Foster Moreau. I said, look, you can stream him, and he was my top streaming option at the tight end position as my tight end 13 without Darren Waller out there. Had a very strong, solid game. If you stream Foster Moreau, you were very happy, so I felt good about that call and the advice that I gave for people who did pick up Foster Moreau and stream him.
1: Tight end zeros. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I'm just going to give you the two guys off the bat here. The first one was Cade Otten. I him ranked as my top 10 tight end. The Baltimore Ravens has been a juicy match for tight ends, and I truly believe that especially without Russell Gage, Otten would become that third pass target for Tom Brady. And he wasn't far off, but he just didn't do much with the opportunities he got, and the opportunities were not as frequent as I was expecting, especially when you factor in Tom Brady passing for about as much as I was expecting him to pass for, which was plus 40 times in the game. I still like K-Dotten as a player, but maybe breaking a guy like that who just hasn't quite established himself yet as a top 10 tight end is just a teeny-weeny bit too aggressive and a bad call by me at the end of the day. My number one zero though, the tight end position was Tyler Higby. I did raise the question with Chris on Thursday night. I had some caution. I was like, look, I do wonder... If Sean McVay, if there's any tweaking he's going to do, it has to be to help out the offensive line in any possible way that he can, which in my mind would mean that it would make the most sense that you have Tyler Higby block a little bit more and not be quite as involved in the passing game. Well, part of that came to fruition. He only had 15 routes run on 40 snaps. That's way lower. He was asked to block more in this game, but He still had six targets, just wasn't able to produce against San Francisco 49ers. I had him as a tight end seven. I still feel like you should have and needed to play him with the volume that he had been getting as of late and probably will still feel that way for at least one more week until we see something different. But for now, I had Tyler Higby as a guy that you had to lock him into your lineups, and he was anything but this past weekend. All right, that does it for our heroes and zeros. So, we had our right and wrong calls. I held myself accountable. So, now it's time to put all of week eight behind us and look ahead because week eight matters no more. Now, what matters is week nine and beyond. And there's only one way to start getting better waiver
1: saviors.
2: Who are waiver saviors heading into the week? So, keep in mind, I try to do an average amongst the major platforms and look for the players that are less than 50% owned. And, guys, I think that. Maybe could be plug in place for you guys this week, or possibly have longer term value. Now, keep this in mind if you weren't already aware, probably were, but week nine, a heavy, heavy buy week. Six teams are on bye in week nine. It is going to be like an after-apocalyptic war. Zone right now for fantasy football lineups heading into week nine. And if you can survive this week, you might give you the big leg up you need heading into the rest of the playoff run over everybody else because this is going to be about survival of the fittest, who has the most depth, who makes the best pickups. So let's hope that we here at the MD's Fantasy Football Show can help you out. And let's start off with the quarterback position. Jared Goff is my only quarterback waiver savior this week. The only one I talk about it every week. I'll probably continue to talk about it every week. The home road split for Jared Goff is real. That's not a bad Miami dolphin defense they face on Sunday, but what was the difference? Oh, that's right. They were in Detroit, which gave Jared Goff an immediate safe floor. They're back in Detroit again this week, even against the green Bay Packers, St. Brown maybe gets his legs back under him a little bit more. DeAndre Swift, maybe he's able to make more of an impact than he was this past week. The weapons are coming back. They're getting healthier. And they're back in Detroit. I like Jared Goff to be a streaming option this week for you guys. And he's the only quarterback, really, that I can say that this is less than 50% owner right now that I trust and is actually active and playing. So let's go into our running backs. I cannot believe... That Khalil Herbert, not quite over that 50% mark. He's actually at 48%. Well, if that's the case, look, Khalil Herbert is not just one of the most high-end handcuffs you can possibly own right now. He has standalone value on top of it. He is a flex play. I talked about how I had him ranked as the top RB36 this past week. RB31 to be exact. I was ahead of the ECR and it paid dividends in a negative game script against a tough defense in the Dallas Cowboys. If he can get 16 carries and get the job done in that situation against that team, well, then he can pretty much do it against anybody. He, You can pick him up and play him in a mercy flex situation, and, of course, he's got winning ticket lottery if anything happens to David Montgomery written all over him. You have to be aggressive and going after Cleo Herbert right now. If you're the David Montgomery owner, there's no reason Cleo Herbert should be available on your waiver wire as of this moment. So go get him. Uh, if you haven't already, you got a fat budget at least 25 maybe 30, 33% of your like a third of your fad budget that you have left, make sure you go out and get Cleo Herbert if he is still available. Don't go 50 because if he's still available in your league to this point, you probably don't have to go quite the 50 to go get him, but make sure you're not missing up the opportunity to get Cleo Herbert right now. What about Shuba Hubbard? So the Carolina backfield is going to be a particularly interesting one. I mentioned this during the Sunday Funday recap. I'll mention it again here quickly. Look, when this first week happened, when McCaffrey was first traded, Hubbard was the starting running back. Hubbard outplayed, or out snapped, I should say, because he didn't really outplay him, but he outsnapped Dont'a Foreman for the first three quarters during that game. Before Hubbard picked up what was called a super minor ankle injury that could that he could have went back to the game for, and yet it made him not practice at all last week and missed the entire game this past week. But neither here nor there. This is why I don't listen to team reports. Early on, I was waiting for practice reports to actually tell me what a player's able to do or not do. But he was the guy. Now, it's hard to imagine, after what Don Foreman was able to do against Tampa Bay and what he was able to do this past week as the starting option on a team that is just basically holding tryouts at every position moving forward in the next season anyway, it's hard to imagine giving that job, that starting role, back to Chuba Hubbard. Could they give him the receiving role? Sure. Would he be in a committee? Yeah, sure. It's hard to imagine they would really go back to Hubbard being the lead guy, but it is a possibility. It depends on what, how Carolina is choosing to look at us. Are they holding a tryout for moving forward? Or do they just already think Hubbard is the guy they want to give a chance to in their future? If they already think Hubbard is the guy they want to see give a shot for in their future and Dr. Foreman is just a backup to them no matter what what he does, then that's the scenario in which we could see Hubbard annoyingly coming back to being the lead guy. It's an interesting situation. Either way, definitely worth going out there and getting a waiver flyer for when he's only 36% on, on average for a guy who could potentially be a starting running back. Or if Foreman were to get hurt, Hubbard would then get majority of the work because they've already showed they will turn to him in the pass catching work. And Blackshear is not a thing. Uh, What about Latavius Murray? So it's not pretty. I don't love it. Melvin Gordon is the starting running back there. But we got to see that Latavius Murray is still the guy who gets to close out the game. They still like giving him his goal line opportunities. He's always been very good in the red zone. Is he a touchdown or bust RB3? Absolutely he is. But this week, you might not have better options than touchdown or bust RB3 type players with what's on by this week. So Latavius Murray looked to possibly pick him up and play him. Well, I'm sorry, Denver Broncos actually have a buy. So I take, I take that all back as far as streaming him this week. But still, the value is there with the split that he has. Mike Boone on IR. It became a two-man rotation between them. And they clearly just don't have any love for Melvin Gordon. So Latavius Murray is a guy you can go ahead and pick up. And because he's on buy. You know, he's not going to cost you anything. What about Alexander Madison, Rashad White? This is where Jalen Warren, you can throw these three guys in there, but all three widely available. Jalen Warren, fine, I understand. Why Rashad White and Alexander Madison are widely available, I don't have an answer to that question. That, that, That befuddles me. That blows my mind. That those two high-end handcuffs and the offenses that they're in with the abilities that they possess and the roles that we know that they'll play, how the hell are they still available? Go, unless you're in like six, eight-man leagues, these guys should not be available on your waiver wire. So go get Alexander Madison. Go get Rashad White. The other guy's Kyron Williams. So assuming that the Rams don't go ahead and make a trade for a running back, this past weekend's rotation... If you want to call it that, I don't know what the hell that was at a Sean McVay where Ronnie Rivers is leading the way with carries and Darrell Hederson suddenly went from being the starting guy to like, oh, yeah, you're a talented guy. You're clearly the most talented guy we have in the backfield, but eh, we don't really want to play you and Malcolm Brown getting touches. There's been a lot of talk about how much the Rams love them some Kyron Williams. And he's either going to be back this week or he's going to be back next week because they opened the twenty day win 21-day window on him last week. So he's going to be back soon. Now, this offensive line is not pretty. This offense has not been pretty. But, hey, starting running backs are starting running backs. And they're hard to come by. And you got to find them for fantasy football purposes. So for right now, Kyron Williams is only 14% owned. Go pick him up. Play him, stash him on your IR. And let's see exactly what they do because there's a real chance now with how this rotation broke out this past weekend, that Sean McVay is just buying his time until he gets to play and start Kyron Williams, which there is a real pathway for somebody to emerge as the lead back. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's him. And just that possibility alone is enough to make sure you have to make him a priority on your waiver wires this week. What about at the wide receiver position? So Romeo Dobbs, why don't have tremendous excitement for the guy He's 47% owned. He shouldn't be less than 50% owned. He's still playing more than any other Green Bay Packer wide receiver. He's been healthier than the other Green Bay Packer wide receiver. And he had a touchdown this past week, which was an impressive fashion. So maybe he gets back into the good graces of Aaron Rodgers. When Lazard comes back, I'm sticking to this. He's the only receiver I want to start. But right now, Dobbs is some sell high value. And we don't know exactly when Lazard's going to be back. He didn't practice at all last week. They talked about having Detroit being what he was eyeing to come back for this week. But we don't know if that's definitely a given. And Lazard has a rough injury history to begin with. So there's definitely more weeks potentially for Romeo Dobbs being the you know last man left standing, if you will, and just being the by default number one receiver of the Green Bay Packers, if nothing else. So go get Romeo Dabbs at 47%. I know this guy was a zero call for me, and I know he was a bummer for most, but Wondell Robinson is still worthy pickup at 35%. Oh, especially talking half point, full point PPR leagues. I'm going to stick to this mindset. I normally speaking want the slot receiver of Daniel Jones more times than did not it didn't work out against Seattle this past week I know but the passing game in general was absolutely horrendous it had not been really that bad too much this season I do expect Wando Robinson to continue to grow in that role and to have better more solid flex wide receiver three type games moving forward and he's a guy who's got value and is out there what about Josh Palmer so I know it's been a little bit disappointing that Palmer doesn't like take his opportunities with Keenan Allen and just completely run away with it and produce, you know, the young talent that we're all really kind of excited about coming into the summer. And he got the opportunity we talked about, like, oh, if he gets this, we should play him. But he doesn't had all bad games. Like He's had a couple of pretty good games in that stretch. So I don't know what else we are expecting from the guy. Mike Williams is definitely out for multiple more weeks. And Keenan Allen, while well, we haven't gotten our first official – injury report and we won't until Wednesday wasn't really seen out in the early portion of practice, such as like Monday, some of the other guys coming off the bye week were. So maybe it's not a given that Keenan Allen's definitely back coming off the bye week either. Either way, whether Keenan Allen's back or not with Mike Williams out, Josh Palmer is in for a big workload, no matter what with Justin Herbert against the Atlanta Falcons right now. Josh Palmer is a guy that you have to pick up. Not only is he going to be a guy who's going to be inside my top 36 receivers this week, I can guarantee you that, maybe even higher, depending upon what's going on with Keenan Allen, but he's a guy who can be played as a flex, strong wide receiver three base play over at least the next few weeks with Mike Williams being out. So Josh Palmer is a priority to me right now with the immediate future and with their bye week for the Chargers now out of the way coming off of it last week. Then we got Traylon Burks. So we're always trying to look for upside at the wide receiver position or upside in general. We're looking for those lotto tickets, especially if you're a team right now that's sitting pretty, you're in first place in your division, second place maybe, and you're thinking you're definitely looking playoff bound. Well, you're looking for lotto tickets to then take that maybe put you over the top. Well, Traylon Burks could be that guy. He's only 25% owned. You can still stash him on your IR. The expectation is that once he's eligible to come back, He'll be back in full force and should be good to go. That was the whole idea of putting him on the IR in the first place, so he had plenty of time to heal up. Look, Robert Woods ain't getting it done. He's been terrible in the passing game, and while Derrick Henry is absolutely tremendous, the Titans are going to have to have some semblance of a passing game at some point that means Traylon Burks, I think, is going to have to become a thing. And I think the fantasy football playoffs could be the time that he hits his stride. I have a lot of interest in a guy like Traylon Burks. The same can be said for Jamison Williams. He's kind of in the same conversation. Now, Burks definitely have more of a pathway to be the team's number one receiver, which should give him more of a floor. And we don't know exactly when Williams is going to be back. And even when he is back, well... He's still got a merchant to the offense. He's a rookie. He has he hasn't been playing. He's gonna get back into football shape. And you still have guys like St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson to have to share a workload for. But here's what I've seen consistently happen there's a second pass catcher in Detroit that there's room for to have big weeks. And Jamison Williams is infinitely more talented than a Josh Reynolds, a Khalif Raymond, or a DJ Chark. So if he's able to come back and get in the game shape, and he's able to get that role by the time the fantasy playoffs roll around, well, Jameson Williams is another guy that does have big play, lotto ticket type value to go with him, too. Now, if he's not back soon, like within the next three weeks, I would say, then maybe not, because then by the time he gets ramped up, I don't know how much value he'd really, really have. And frankly, if it's another three weeks before he can get activated, I don't know what the incentive for Detroit is really going to be to even bring him back at all and just wind up redshirting him completely in his first year coming off the ACL injury. Remember, Detroit's still in a rebuild mode. It's not like they're competing for the playoffs. So that is also something we have to watch. But for right now, he doesn't. if you have an IR spot open, he doesn't cost you anything. You can kind of just stash him there. Then we move on to the tight ends. I only got two guys. First guy, of course, being Greg Dulcich, 34% owned. This is another guy who's creeping up higher and higher into my top 12 category, potentially more weeks than not definitely inside my top 15, which will make him a streaming option. No matter what, again, Broncos on by, but that's okay. We'll have to look for him moving forward. We need upside tight ends. We need tight ends. who can be top 12 guys can be tight end ones. Greg Dolchitz, has been the only consistent thing out of the Denver Bronco offense, no matter who the quarterback is over the past few weeks since he has returned. So Greg Dulcich is somebody you have to pick up right now as a tight end option. And I'm still on the K-Dot and train. Only 8% owned. Maybe I won't put him inside my top 10 again anytime soon, but I still think he's very a very strong streaming option and offense looking for a third pass catcher with high volume. I will bet on that practice, that process more times than not. So I still like Kate Otten as a streaming option, a dart throw, if you will, at the tight end position. And of course, if Hayden Hurst is still out there, kind of an honorary thing because he's like just above the 50% mark. But without Jamar Chase, Hayden Hurst is another guy who should be owned and played more too. All right, that does it for the Waiver Saviors. That does it for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it, found it informative, and I hope you guys continue to get better moving forward. We're getting closer and closer to that playoff run. Make sure you guys come back for our look-ahead Wednesday, the first half of the Fantasy Football Week 9 preview at 10 p.m. Eastern. And we'll be back, of course, on Thursday with the Clairvoyant Thursday for the second half and, of course, on Cashing Friday for our DFS and NFL betting picks. So make sure you tune in for all that coming in later in the week. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss it. Download us on your favorite podcast app you can stay up to date with the show on the go. Or just download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices to catch us on demand and watch us there too. Guys, make sure you give us a follow on social media at bellyup MDFF Show. We'll see you tomorrow night. Until then, take care.